0: You'll never know All the people, places, things that you see You'll never know All the people, places, things that you see Welcome to the People, Places, and Things podcast. I'm Shea Moore. This podcast is all about the people I admire, the cool places to visit, and all the awesome things that can be done right here in Kansas City and eventually beyond. Today we're talking to Chef Shanita Bryant, winner of Cutthroat Kitchen on the Food Network, owner and operator of Magnolias and Magnolia on the Move, and many more ventures. This surprising conversation will open up your eyes about facing adversity at a young age and finding a way to succeed in spite of all odds talk failure, motherhood and even touch on an issue that a lot of folks have been talking about recently. Aisha Curry admitting to feeling some kind of way after being a mother of three kids and maybe not getting as much attention as she used to. You're gonna love this episode. Everybody's posting these. I'm so old as whatever. Yeah. I'm like I'm so old. I was Christian and my
1: parents didn't let me out of the house. I have no <laughs> idea what you people are talking about. I don't know any of this. House. I didn't go to any of these places. <laughs> For those at church (laughs)
0: that's how old i'm at was this during revival week? (laughs) (laughs) your food precedes your name like literally when i first moved to kansas city people were like you've got to go to magnolia's their brunch is awesome and the one thing that people talked about the most is the red velvet waffles
1: i know and I can't even real, real, real take credit for that. That was being a single mom and having my children at the time. I had just three. And they were like preteen and teen. Let's do this. We're like a team. We're going to do this together. What's your contribution? And my now 22-year-old, he was 16. That was his contribution. Let's make a red velvet waffle. Me personally, this is going to be shocking. I don't like red velvet. <laughs> I don't. I don't like red velvet cake. I don't like red velvet nothing. I don't like red food coloring, (laughs) so not my favorite thing to eat. But I was being supportive of him, and that whole phenomenon
0: has taken on a life of its own. How interesting is that if we allow ourselves to be open, that sometimes a blessing can drop into our lives that we didn't expect?
1: Right, yeah. Most people are like, oh, gonna put that on the menu, no one's going to eat it. He came up with the recipe,
0: and that was all him. It was really all him. Can you think of another time where maybe you were open and a blessing dropped into your life that was unexpected, like the red velvet waffle?
1: The whole restaurant concept was a blessing that dropped into my life. Like, literally, my dad had been pushing me to do it for quite some time, and I was like, no one's going to eat there. I was renting at another place, like, literally walking distance from there. Me and that person had a disagreement over the light bill, and I was just like, I don't need to rent my kitchen here. I'll just move somewhere else. And then literally I moved up the street and it was open. And my dad was like, this is a perfect place. It's small, you just have to do it. And I literally just went on Facebook and was like, we're open, (laughs) (laughs) I'm here please come. And then that was just, that was it.
0: Let's rewind back to 2014 when you appeared on Food Network's Cutthroat Kitchen. How did that whole experience come to you?
1: So same thing. And I know this is like a hot button issue right now. Everyone's talking about Aisha Curry and her comments. I totally felt everything that she was saying because in 2014, I was in that same position, but not so much about men coming for me. I just had a baby I hadn't been doing a lot of the things in my career that I had been doing before. And you're just still feeling like really in the culinary sense. I was like, do I still have it? You know, I competed in college when I was on the culinary team and I was very like cutting edge and on top of things. But then you start having children and then, you know, they kind of like consume your whole life. And then you're in this position where you're like, man, I don't know if I'm still that person anymore. And so a friend of mine was on the show and was like, you should apply. It was a huge application. Videos of your TV experiences and recipes and photos and all this other stuff. And then they're in LA and you're here. So then they did Skype. You Skype with the producers and then they're like, okay, but can you come like Mother's Day weekend? I was like, oh, uh, sure. <laughs> all right. So that that's really how it happened. Got on the show and won. I had a complete breakdown that morning. We had to take the baby with us. She was six months old and still exclusively breastfed. Like that child would not eat nothing. She would purse her little lips so tight. You would look like you're abusing her to try to get anything in her mouth other than breast milk from its original container. Don't put it in a bottle. Don't put it in a sippy (laughs) cup. Don't put it in a syringe. I don't want it that way. I want it from the original source or not at all. So she wasn't eating. And I was like, how is this going to work? My husband had to stay there at the hotel with her. I went to tape and I was just like bawling and um I called my mentor but she got me all the way together. She's like, get your shit together. I said, she's like, you can do this. And don't you call me no more with this foolishness. I was like, OK, bye.
0: Got a coffee and
1: went on to taping. She was like, we're not about to do this today.
0: I was like, OK, goodbye. Did you learn anything surprising from that experience? That you know more than you think you know.
1: And I think that sometimes as women, we get into these positions where we know that we know, right? I've, I've had the same training the same experience, the same as my male counterparts. Maybe not the same exposure, but really we're like neck and neck. And when I went there and did it, and so much about like culinary and food is muscle mind memory, right? You study, you learn, you're. I'm like an absorber of information constantly. If I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm reading recipes and reading cookbooks. I probably have more cookbooks than the law should allow. I'm consuming all that information. And then you, when you're under that, like that ex- extreme pressure situation, all that stuff just comes right out. And you're like, I don't even know where that came from, but it was there. So, you know, that was a moment where I proved to myself that I knew more than I thought that I knew. I somehow had tricked my mind into believing that, you know, I was just a mom who's a chef. And it's like, no, you're a chef who happens to be a mother.
0: They call that imposter syndrome where women, we tend to feel like, oh, they're going to find out that I'm really just this and I'm really not that. Yeah. And it, is something that we've got to reject as a sex. Yes. The weird part about it is women do most of the cooking but in the culinary world it's male dominated.
1: Absolutely. Society
0: is okay for you
1: to be the chef at home but not it professionally. Mm-hmm. And and professionally if you're not careful you'll wind up being the pastry chef. Not that some of my female chef friends don't enjoy pastry, but a lot of them if they're honest were pushed into pastry. Because that's where the the men told them they needed to be. I'm a little bit feisty in all Leo. So you weren't going to make me make cake if that's not what I wanted to do. And I I can bake because my mentor is a pastry chef and she also is on the savory side. But I don't tell people that that's a top secret information. You know, I don't want people to be like, oh, she can just do the dessert. Or when people ask you to contribute to a like a, a dinner where they do like a different chef, I don't want them to be like, oh, just let her. She's the girl. She can make the dessert. No, I'm not making the dessert. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And it's crazy that we have to fight for that.
0: But we do. In this industry, the radio industry that I'm in, we don't see many female-run morning shows. It's always the man is the lead and the woman is the, <laughs> the giggle box to laugh yes. at jokes.
1: Yeah, and I know that's annoying because you're like, I have something valuable to say and I have something to contribute. And I've never been a person to shy away from being like, no, I have something to contribute. To this. And it's not a sweet.
0: Being here in Kansas City has really awakened that space in me because being the lead on the morning show here, it allowed me to be like, no, I definitely have those skills and I'm going to display them. But sometimes people look at that energy as being bitchy. Do you experience that? Oh, same my gosh. Thing?
1: Every that I think that if you ask someone who doesn't know me well, that's the first thing that they're going to say. She's standoffish. She's a bitch but really i'm an introvert so i'm observing i don't have to come in and be the loudest biggest personality in the room do i have the ability to do that yes my career has made it so that i have to have that little extrovert switch that i click on but let me tell you when the event is over i'm like zapped and done done like don't talk to me for a whole day done because that usually takes everything out of me that I, that I have. So it's not that I'm, and when you're in culinary and you <laughs> to be like Oprah in color purple, all your life, all your career, you had to fight. You have a hard exterior because people just know I don't take no shit, which is why when we talk about like me too and how it's kind of trickled down into culinary people are like, have you had those experiences? Yes. But my personality shuts it all the way down right in the very very beginning and then it I just kind of had a reputation for it. don't even don't even think about it.
0: I would say probably in the last five years or so, I've had to adjust my presentation just because I found myself missing opportunities because of the whole bitchy moniker. Yes, and I had to find a sweet spot, if you will, to still protect myself, but speaking a little bit longer with people, if that makes any sense. Yes,
1: and I've had to people be less told me direct. That I was abrupt, right? That, people that's what do not like direct. <laughs> Correctness <laughs> and... I, I have really worked on the compliment sandwich because I was like, well, I mean, it is, that's what it is. People are like, no, you have to say something good and then what it is and then something bad. I still struggle with that because that's not my natural inclination. And I'm the kind of person, I want you, girl, put it out there.
0: Tell me what it is. So I can know what so I'm dealing I, right. with. Right. And then I'll find another answer if the answer is no. I can accept a no from someone else. Right. right. But many people cannot.
1: People get mad at me because I'll ask someone, well, how do you feel about this? They're like, well, that's a possibility for me that means no they're like no it doesn't it means it's a possibility i was like no these are yes or no questions possibility means i'm too scared to tell you no i don't like it no i don't want to do it just say no they're like you're just too black and white i was like it's really only two answers for me no or yes maybe is no
0: Let's go back to being a little girl and realizing that you love food. Can you remember your earliest memories of like maybe eating something and being like,
1: oh my God. It was a journey. So I grew like abnormally tall in a relatively short span of time. So I've been this height since like fifth or sixth grade, like between fifth, sixth and seventh grade, all of my growth plates and my knees were open at the same time. And I was tall, super thin, and when you have growth plates open, that does not go for the best coordination. Clumsy. (laughs) Falling all the time, tripping, running into things. I just learned a new word, growth plates. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So sports was not so much for me. I tried that, you know, I'd just be the kid running down the soccer field, just fall. (laughs) No one around. (laughs) Just fell. People be like. So then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stick to the refreshments. I will be the orange girl. I will arrange these oranges in this water in the best way possible. Please don't make me go out there and run. I'm tired of falling on my face. I tried ice skating. Again, Not the coordination at that age wasn't it. So I'm the oldest and my parents would be like, well, you need to cook dinner. And so what started out as a chore turned into something where I was like, ooh, this is like super fun. And then my godmother cooked. My mother cooked. My grandmother cooked and my grandmother, she only came and visited with us in the summertime. And so I wanted to be with her as much as possible. If she was in the bed, I'm putting rollers in her hair. If she's in the kitchen, I am on a stool talking her face off. <laughs> oh, what is that? Why are you doing that? Just experiencing all of that. And I think that's really where it came from. I just love the the experience of it all. And I, we didn't eat out because at one point in time, my cousins lived with us. There
0: were six of us and my parents didn't have a ton of money at first growing up. So we weren't eating out. We were going to eat at home. You talked about having a son that's 22. Yeah. You look like you're maybe 27. Genetics. That, happened. that was all my,
1: <laughs> I, I'm, I swear it has to come from my mom's side of the family because my grandfather lived to be 95 and literally he did not start aging until his like late 80s. Mm. He was old my whole life because he had her <laughs> old. He'd always be like, oh, I'm not going to be here long. I'm like, you go outlive all of us. What are you talking about? He just he just aged well. And I don't I don't smoke. I drink professionally, but not socially. Um, I try to drink a little bit of water and I eat relatively healthy. I do have a sweet tooth. Mom's side of the family, they all look young.
0: Being a mother and a professional chef, how do the two meet, if you will? How they does don't, it work in your life? They don't. And
1: I think I never wanted to be a professional mother who gets on here and is like, all you have to do is lean in. You just need to balance. No, no, because if I'm focusing on my career, there's a trade off, right? I'm missing something. I'm not at a concert. I probably forgot a parent-teacher conference. Did I do that permission slip? My daughter's school don't even put us on the snack calendar no more. They're like they're not gonna remember. Your mom's a chef, but she's not gonna bring the snacks. She's not. <laughs> she's not gonna bring the snacks because she's gonna forget. And I just have to accept that that is that is what it is. And my kids, the older kids, accept that. And then the younger one, she has gone to work with me like literally since the moment she left the hospital. Left on a Sunday, we went to work on Monday. So that's all she knows is being a part of my work in my life. And people just know that that's my, my norm. If you want me to work with you, meet with you, there's a 97% possibility one or some of them are coming. And if that's a problem, then it's not going to work.
0: So you close a restaurant and you've got Magnolia's on the move, a food truck, and I've seen your kids working it. Yes. Do any of them have any dreams of culinary no
1: because my older kids their dad is a chef too their uncle is a chef they are so good on that lifestyle they're like yeah no we are good good
0: they say that you learn more in your failures than you do your successes can you think of a failure that taught you an invaluable lesson Well, I think that people
1: think that closing the two locations was a failure. Closing the first location was not a failure because my youngest was not, was having health challenges. And I needed a moment to solely focus on motherhood at that time. And I think sometimes people forget that culinary is a creative art. You have to have that space in yourself to draw from. And when your focus is over here, I don't have any capacity to create or be passionate about food at that moment I needed to mother and I needed to take care of her and I needed to be at the doctor's appointments and all all of that I needed and so it wasn't really a space for that closing on 99th and homes was me feeling rushed people were like well you've been closed for a year people you are waiting on you and we're still in the throes of this health situation and and I just hadn't really like allowed myself a moment to see what that was like. So I talked about her being breastfed. That lasted for 17 months. She would not eat. So how does that affect me? I feed people for a living, but I can't feed my own child. Mm. And I don't think people really understood like how that messed with me. And I don't think I allowed myself the space until after that closed to think I wasn't ready. I hadn't really processed that whole scenario. I hadn't processed the situation. I hadn't processed my feelings about it. Cause as a mother, you think, well, maybe I shouldn't have taken her to work cause she was born a preemie. Maybe I should have taken more time off. Maybe this is my fault that all these things are happening to her. Why won't she eat? I feed everybody, everybody <laughs> <laughs> loves my food. You know, you're going through all of these scenarios. Then you still feel like you have the demands of the public. Oh, well, we are ready for waffles and we're ready for this. And we want, and it's like, okay. So I don't view them as failures. I view them as me finally taking a stand for what I needed and doing what was best for me. Because Sometimes when you're a business owner and you're an entrepreneur, you are so worried about like the customer and the business and you forget about yourself and you get left kind of in the rubble.
0: (laughs) Where do you see yourself going next? Are you in that creative space where you are looking forward? I am. What really caused the final like hard pause
1: was October. I lost my dad and he was basically my business partner. He's the food truck driver. He was the maintenance man, the restaurant depot guy, the chicken fryer, the security, all of that. The, you know, push you forward when you feel like you want to be in your pajamas all day person. And I had to think. Where do I want to be? I've been doing cooking for 20. My son is 22, 21 years. I've been cooking professionally. Like, do I see myself being like this? I'm on the line. I'm sweating. I'm working 17 hours a day. Or is there a better way? And then I started to think about like my relationship with him. By statistics, I should have never made it where I am. I had my first kid when I was 15. And if it wasn't my dad, there pushing, encouraging, supporting pushing, encouraging, supporting all along the way. I probably would have been like all the other people who have kids at 15. So then I started to think about where are people at and how can I use my culinary passion and my life's gift and my example that I got from my dad to like help other people. And so that's kind of where we are, me, in this career space. I'm looking at a new project. We've did our One Million Cups. We've launched, it's called The Prospect. It will be a workforce development program in a restaurant so it's a model that i got introduced to by a good friend of mine he's another african-american chef in seattle and he's the corporate chef for the parent company they've been doing it out there for 20 years they're basically taking people they work with specifically the homeless population they have a whole person model where they kind of address the things that we all need in life to help us sustain employment and if we and if we're honest with ourselves right there's a population of people who don't keep jobs not because they're lazy not because they don't want to work. Because they need support and who, who is going to support them? And I was that person. I, if I didn't have the support of my dad, it wouldn't have been culinary. My dad didn't care what I wanted to do. If I'd have been like, I want to make violins, he'd have figured out a way for me to make violins <laughs> and support me in that. That was just his, that was the kind of person that he was. And I feel like that we can, that's where I want to be, helping other people and giving them this gift that was given to me. And hopefully that people can make a better life for themselves and change their life by just getting some extra some help and some support.
0: That is one of the best homages to anyone that I've ever heard. If I ever decide to become a mother, I really hope that my kids will say those kind of things about myself. That's why it's just so important for parents to be the support for their kids, even if the kids push back and, you know. Oh yeah, and me and him you. used to have
1: some knockdown, down, drag out arguments. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, but he also knows that I internalize and sometimes I just need to emote. So he never, my dad never got caught up in the emotion. Cause sometimes, you know, you can't communicate with people because they're thrown off by the emotional way that you're presenting the information. That didn't bother him. My dad was like, cool as a cute, I swear I didn't hear him curse somebody out. until so I was like, in my late twenties, my neighbor was like harassing me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was knocking on my door, knocking on my door. And my dad answered that door and said, If you don't get your motherfucking ass. I'm <laughs> I almost fell out. I was like, "Sir, you should get off this porch," because <laughs> not only did he use compounded curse words, he's using cuss words. <laughs> I am scared for you at this moment. But he just was a peaceful person inside, and so. But I say that a lot of times you cannot communicate with people because you're emotional, and then mm-hmm. they're like, "Why you gotta say it like that?" That he was never that kind of person. I could really like scream and yell, and he would see past the screaming and yelling and really kind of help me process through it and work it out. Whereas a lot of people you can't do that with them. They now y'all talking about why you using that tone. You're like this ain't even what I was mad about. Now I'm mad about this.
0: I'm really glad that we did this because I've been knowing you for a couple of years, but I feel like I know you and understand you much better after sitting down and learning more about who you are. If we would take the time to know each other in this way, I think it would make interactions with each other much easier.
1: Yeah, but I think sometimes people have to get past the fear of like judgment. I think I've dealt with that all. I don't want people to think, you know, whatever. Now I'm, I'm almost full. 40, I don't even care. Judge me then, whatever. If anything that we can learn from that, going back to the whole Aisha Curry situation, if we don't want to have the conversation, who's going to have it? If, if we don't tell, who's going to tell it? Just because I'm not the only person who felt that way about being 15 and having a child. There's a lot of people who have had kids early or in weird circumstances who feel some type of way about themselves. And if no one's willing to say, yeah, I felt that way
0: too, then it, that you can't help anybody. So at 15, having your child, what was going through your mind at that time? I don't know what I'm thinking. I mean, I really did not have a
1: plan. At that point, I was just like, oh, I cannot believe I did this. And so I had no plan whatsoever. And that was really working with my dad and my parents and just coming up with a plan. And they were super supportive because I still graduated early from high school. And that was the deal. They were like, well, what are you going to do? Because you can't just sit around here for a whole semester. I graduated early, but didn't plan to graduate early. So I couldn't get my diploma. I went to uh, Juco because Juco had a partnership with my high school at the time where you could still be a high school student and enroll in college classes. So then I had wanted to cook. I kind of had been watching like Food Network and Great Chefs on PBS. And I was like, I knew this was a career. Then I found out there was a culinary program at Juco. And that's kind of how it all like evolved. I remember being like 16 and going for my interview and being scared to death. Because you had to interview at the time to get into the program. So it wasn't like you could just be like, I'm going to go to JUCO and register. Nope, not in the culinary program. You had to be accepted by Jerry Vincent. If you didn't interview with Jerry Vincent and get accepted at the time, you were not taking a class. So I had to go to Jerry and convince him that I was going to be dedicated and I was going to do the
0: work. And then he let me in. You have got such a powerful story. Do you go around and talk to kids at school? I don't.
1: I don't. Someone else told me that, too. They're like, you should tell your story. And I, I don't. As part of you, that's that that self-sabotager who thinks, "Who cares? No one cares about you and what you think and what you've gone through."
0: No, this is transformational for so many people who may have gone through similar things and feel as though, "Okay, I made a mistake early, Mm -hmm. and now I can never recover." Mm -hmm. This is letting people know that. Okay, it was a blip on the map for me. And I was never defined by that situation.
1: I never was like, oh, now I'm a single teenage mother. It just never became a part of my identity. And that's probably because my parents didn't allow it to become a part of my identity.
0: Awesome parents can be a difference maker.
1: Yeah, they can. There's no pity partying. I know that my people who look at me with my older kids are like, geez, that's harsh. I was like, no, there's no crying in baseball. They need to get it together. Take a moment, feel sorry for yourself, and now we're going to get up and move on. We are not going to wallow in our self-pity. That doesn't serve anybody.
0: What if one of your kids came to you and they were pregnant as a teen?
1: I mean, we would just have—we're going to have to get a plan together. How are you going to finish school? How are you going to still do the things that you wanted to accomplish for your life? This is not the time for you to lay down and quit. Now you're going to have to dig in and fight just a little bit harder.
0: Is Magnolia on the move still moving? We are
1: moving, but in a different way. I do a lot of teaching now, like in your, private events in your house. And then we're working to develop product lines, i.e. red velvet waffles, our fried chicken seasoning and stuff like that. So it'll be more of like a novelty situation and less of a destination. The new place will be where you go and get food and not Southern food per se. I really have been in this downtime exploring the idea of Kansas City and what does our food culture look like, our food history, our food scene. I, I know that we have one. It's just a matter of like pulling it all together and first of all, we have to accept that we're a little bit Southern. We want to be not. But you guys, this is the South. Don't tell anybody I told you. <laughs> <laughs> but when you go to the South, they're like, y'all are Southern. I don't well, know what y'all are thinking. A lot of people thinking.
0: came from Mississippi to Kansas City for jobs. There was railroad jobs this here. This is on and the lower, the, close to
1: the top of the Mason-Dixon line. Sorry, I hate to bust people's bubble. But <laughs> if you go look at the map. We're on the southern side. So I think we should explore that. And then also what you said about the railroads. The railroads have completely influenced this food scene here because people were traveling and becoming mobile and experiencing other things. And also you have that huge Chinese culture that was introduced here because of the migrant people coming through here. Planning to like explore all that and then working on my brunch cookbook, of course. Because brunch is my thing. I love breakfast. <laughs> I do,
0: too. This was a wonderful conversation. Yeah. And I want to encourage you to really think about sharing more your frailties and the things that, you know, many of us look back on like, OK, well, I'm past that. That's over with. Right. But it can bless somebody else. I, I went through a time when I used to speak at schools to young people and I would omit huge portions of my childhood. When I talked about it, I would cry. <laughs> And so who wants to be snotting and crying all over the place? I know.
1: I'm just now getting to the point, like with talking about my dad, that I'm not like bawling. Because typically when it comes up, I'm like snot face bawling. And you're like, gosh, I just
0: asked how he was doing. I did not know it was going to go there. People are like, this is so awkward. So now I'm able to communicate these things and... Like after I'm done speaking, kids will come up to me and say, hey, I'm living in a home with parents with substance abuse problems, too. Or I am also struggling with my self-image. Mm. and if I'm worthy and all the things that I dealt with as a child and now as an adult they still haunt you yeah I'm really a firm believer that anything that we go through is really not about us it's about somebody else
1: and that's what I learned from my godmother when she was dying of cancer Mm. she still would come to church in oxygen visible tumors on the outside of her body leading praise and worship Mm. and her thing was like this struggle is not for me it's for you and when you're in the presence of somebody like that, you're like, what can I complain about? <laughs> what can I complain about? My, You know, and so when you start to look at other people's situations, you don't you start to realize I don't I don't have it as bad as I thought I had it. Thank you, Chef Shanita. You are welcome. This was so great.
0: <laughs> it was. <laughs> you never know. Other people, places, things that you see.